0: Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Anika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know some love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the October 2nd episode. We are covering Second Samuel into 1 Kings, Galatians into Ephesians, and Ezekiel still. More Ezekiel. Just reading it is not enough. If I took the time to do commentaries, I just don't, I can't read 21 chapters and all the commentaries on all the things I'm curious about. I guess that's kind of the point because you can still
1: get a ton out of Ezekiel. Yes.
0: Even if you're not. I just,
1: this week I was reading and I'm like, um, I really want to know specifically about these prophecies. Are these already fulfilled? Are they still to come? So I Googled it really fast and barely skimmed an article one article. So this doesn't probably, it might, I don't remember where I found it. It was totally a Google search, so it might not be (laughs) accurate, but it was basically talking about how some of the stuff didn't turn out the way it was predicted. And so it was talking Uh almost like what we were talking about in Mark yesterday, when Moses prayed and God relented, God was going to destroy everyone. And Moses Uh asked and God relented. And so it almost sounded like this was what God was telling Ezekiel to tell the people and then for whatever reason, it ended up going a different way. Mm. That is like really heavy. Yeah. Theological stuff. Yes. Yeah. Super heavy. And so that's why I'm like, oh, Ezekiel. And I, I think
0: just- people have real theological problems with that God changing right. mind idea. But I mean, it's written there. So whether you have problems with it or not, again, like the only reason to have problems is if you have to nail down God. You know right. I mean? We really like our black and white
1: answers. Yeah. We We really, really really do.
0: Our black and white answers. When we're reading Mark, so much of Jesus's ministry and his life was like, he knew in advance. How much did he know? How much changed because of the will of the people? You know what I mean? Like everything that you're reading, it's that he went here. He clearly went here for this. Would he have done other things if they had been? Right.
1: It kind of goes back to that whole tension or argument, disagreement between is God controlling everything? Right. Is God allowing everything? Is God just aware of the way things are going to happen based on yeah. what decisions people make? Like, I definitely have opinions about that, but. Yes, there are some things that don't fit into that. Even in that, like what I believe about that, some of this stuff does not fit into that box, which right. is God. I cannot put him in a box, no we matter can't. how hard I try or how much I want to.
0: But there are things about him that are unchanging. And one of the things that I love about Ezekiel's reading this week, it's always either they're like turning from him and turning to these other gods. So it's either that this like jealousy toward the other gods or what I'm noticing here is it's often because of their pride, mm. they're setting themselves up to be gods right it's one or the other and both are very closely related but it's idolatry even even when he's doing that with egypt and all of them then, then he's like punishing them for the way that they treated israel Mm-hmm. Israel's all wrapped up in this. He's mm-hmm. also punishing Israel. So Israel's getting judged. And then he's like, and because you're standing by and laughing and enjoying this, you also are going to be judged because I love Israel. <sighs> so actually, this could even take us into Second Samuel and First Kings where Joab, we've talked about Joab. I know, Joab was... And how great he was. Nuts this week. Yeah. Yes, he was, yeah, he he was so great. He was doing all the things, and then you see him at the end. He's kind of setting himself to be again in power with David's son that wants to take the throne without his permission. Mm-hmm. But in the end, what surprised me was David saying to Solomon, "You need to make sure that you punish Joab for mm-hmm. the murders that or actually it was for the one murder that took place without my permission, and Solomon punished him for the two murders that took place mm-hmm. without David's permission. And the one that we were talking about, the Absalom murder, wasn't included. Right. In because
1: he killed Absalom. Yes. Which made me think does he does David still not know? Still not know. Like, right. Still this is still a big secret. Yeah. Right. The one's that David did have him is that the one where the they went on their own and came and took care of something and came back to David and were like, "Hey David, we did this thing for you." And David was like, "Uh, that's not what I wanted. Why didn't you consult the Lord?" That That was not the
0: one that David... It was actually Abner. Abner was Saul's person. Yeah, Yeah. the commander. And then Abner was going to switch over to David's side. And in that switching over, he runs off and Joab is like, no way. He's only here to be a spy and he kills him without David's permission.
1: So that's the one that... There's several. And that's the one that David tells Solomon to avenge. That one?
0: Yeah, that's the one. Because I went to look that up because I was like, which one is this? Because there's several. In first Kings chapter two, mm-hmm. he says, you also will have to deal with mm-hmm. Shimei, shiny son of Gera, the Benjamite from Buram, the one who cursed me so viciously when I was on my way to Mahanaim. Later, when he welcomed me back at the Jordan, I promised him under God, I won't put you to death, but neither should you treat him as if nothing ever happened. You're wise. You know how to handle these things. You'll know what to do to make him pay before he dies. And I was thinking, that seems like such a picture of God's justice. Not that I can understand or comprehend, but this trusting that he will deal with everybody to
1: what Solomon is like the picture is of right. God's justice. Is that what you, I'm trying to figure out? How well, you're...
0: even David, even David, let these people live. Why didn't he mm-hmm. do it? Because he didn't, he did, had no trouble issuing justice to people mm-hmm. throughout his life. It's like no loose end is left untied. Mm hmm. I think that's kind of what I was thinking about is that like with God, even though we might not know it or understand how or why or see it happen or see it happen, it's not forgotten and it's not dealt with somehow, some way that's perfect. There's so much in Second Samuel and First Kings that I love. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because so much of the gospel is in the New Testament. You really want to spend a lot oh. of time in Galatians and Ephesians. Mm-hmm. But first of all, so Adonijah is doing all of this stuff. And Nathan, I love that Nathan comes to Bathsheba. I love the scheming that happens behind the scenes mm-hmm. when people are kind of like, how are we going to get him to listen? And I've done this. <laughs> so it made me kind of feel like, oh, it's not bad. It's just wisdom. <laughs> like, it's just plain, right? Good it's planning. not manipulation." <laughs> <laughs> It's just how do I get my perfect thoughts communicated to the right person? Yeah. Hi, I just wanted to take a quick break to let you know about a couple of great resources we have for you. First, did you know that we have two podcasts? I know it's confusing, but we have this one, the recap, where we highlight our takeaways from the Bible reading plan, but we also have one called the dive collective podcast on which we highlight the gifts and talents and stories of our members. We have three great interview episodes already up, but we have more coming soon. So you're going to want to access those on both Google and the Apple podcast platforms. We also have a couple of excellent free Bible reading resources on our website at divecollective.org. When you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get weekly emails with a devotion to start your week and a free download of the Bible reading plan. And we also have a dive guide in the shop. So check the shop out too while you're there. So head on over to divecollective.org to grab your free resources soon. Nathan is behind the scenes with Beth Shiba, and he's like, "You're gonna have to go to the king because he doesn't know what's going on." So they they scheme, and he says, "I'll come in after you, and I'll corroborate everything that you say, include this little small thing about Abishag, the Shunammite, Shunamite, mm-hmm. who they hire to basically like keep David warm." Yeah. <laughs> And the intention, obviously, was for her, him to have sex with her and all of that. And and he didn't, it says. I so say, I didn't get the way the... that it wrote
1: that. I'm sorry, the way that Eugene Peterson translates it. Okay, yes. Yeah. So I didn't get that. And when I read it, it seemed weird. And maybe some people had ulterior motives about it, but it just seemed like... Oh, he's old. Let's give him a pretty girl to keep him warm. Like it was super weird. Well, this is
0: my. This is the way it's translated. This is the way the Eugene Peterson translates it, which I don't know whether that is because he. I mean, he obviously was a scholar in the language, but he says mm. we're going to get a young virgin for our master, the king, to be at his side and look after him. She'll get in bed with you and arouse our master, the king. So they searched the country of Israel for the most ravishing girl they could find and found Abishag the Shunammite and brought her to the king. The girl was stunningly beautiful. So they bring her in. And so she's, I was like, that's an interesting little tidbit. Well, then when Bathsheba goes into the king's room to deliver the news and they put a little note in there that she's there with the king. Mm -hmm. It said, I don't, I'm curious what your translation says. It says Bathsheba went at once to the king in his palace bedroom. He was so old, exclamation point. And then it says Abishag was at his side, making him comfortable. As Bathsheba bowed low, honoring the king, he said, what do you want? There's just so much about that scene. Was she
1: taken aback by how old he was? Like, were they? So mine says... Bathsheba goes into the king in his bedroom. Since the king was very old, Abishag the Shunammite was attending to him. So that to me that was that's what makes it seem less sexual to me. It's because he's so old. Maybe I'm assuming things about David I shouldn't assume about David. But because he's so old, that's why she's attending to him. And I would imagine Bathsheba's pretty old too, right? Yeah. I would assume that she's I would pretty imagine old, she's too. old. The wife comes into the king Sure with this awkward. young, beautiful woman yes.
0: who's tending to him. Everything about it just feels. It was just a moment where I looked at it and I was like, this is
1: It, it definitely weird. <laughs> made me question or wonder what David and Bathsheba's relationship ended up playing yeah, out. Or to if be. they're just
0: two people growing old together, like not right. two, like
1: 10 people. He's got all kinds of wives. Right. He's get. got all kinds of wives. I guess I've always assumed that Bathsheba was his. Person, you know what I mean, like because of their how it's. Although a lot of times when things start out wrong, well, right. There's Abigail too. Yeah, Yeah. it just made me wonder what their relationship. Doesn't she? Somebody asks for her as a wife. Is it Samuel or Solomon?
0: The the, no, it's it's the king, the guy that tried to usurp the throne. Solomon told Adonijah. yeah goes and grabs the horns of the altar because he's escaping because he knows that he's going to die. Uh, or he deserves to die for trying to take the throne that wasn't his, and Solomon's now mm-hmm. the king, and so he's holding on to the altar, and and Solomon basically says, "If you prove that you're going to be honorable, then you can stay, and I and I won't kill you." And so mm-hmm. he gets to live, and then he goes and he asks Bathsheba if he can have the Shumanite, the beautiful, suit. yeah, yeah, David's young virgin, and of course Solomon is like are you nuts? Like, why would I like, yes, I'm going to give him the King's virgin. Do you know, like it's totally a trap. So it's Solomon's like, well, I told you that if you proved to be a man of honor, I wouldn't harm you, but you clearly are not. and Yeah.
1: You're going to die. Yeah. So what that made me do, this girl is Abishag the Shunammite. And so I'm like, Shunammite. I went to Song of Solomon because I'm like, is this a girl that Solomon, does Solomon marry her instead? But it's not. It's a Shulamite in Song of Solomon. But I kind of wondered whether she was going to show up later
0: too. Yeah. When
1: he asked for her as his wife and then Solomon's like, heck no, you're going to die instead. I was like, Ooh, I wonder if Solomon marries her. I wonder if that's the girl, which I'm pretty sure it's not. I don't know if it's possible that Shunamite and Shulamite are the same. I would imagine they're probably not, but that's what it made me wonder
0: the other thing that was kind of cool was solomon pulling up a throne for like pull up a seat (laughs) he pulls up a throne for bathsheba and she sits beside him it says she sat at his right hand his mother where are you bathsheba uh this is at the end probably verse 19 of chapter 2 he had a throne put in place for his mother and she sat at his right hand and that's when she asked
1: Mm -hmm. if adonijah could have
0: I wonder if she was just happy to get rid of her. You know what I mean? But the reason that she asked was like,
1: Oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> Jealous? Yeah. I don't
0: know. I'm way reading between lines there. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh, here's more theology. I'm so curious whether you read this the same way, but the way that this reads according to Eugene Peterson is that Solomon did everything right, except that he, Solomon loved God and continued to live in God-honoring ways of David, his father, except that he also worshiped at the local shrines, offering sacrifices and burning incense. And it's actually when he's at the shrine, Mm -hmm. the biggest shrine, the most prestigious of all of the local shrines, that God comes to him and says, what can I give you? Ask. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That I wondered a lot about that. And what it made me wonder was... This is probably going to be something I shouldn't even. So it made me wonder, kind of made me think about your pure heart thing. Yes. If Solomon just really was not wise enough yet to recognize that the difference and he was going, it it says he offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. So he's going Mm -hmm. in worship to God. Or the other thing is I was like, okay, so there's no, Solomon hasn't built the temple yet. So maybe Solomon's like, well, this is a nice place. God deserves the best. This is the best no, high place. No, because what
0: happens? See what
1: happens afterwards?
0: Do you see what happens right after? So Solomon's response to God when he says, what can I give you? Solomon's basically like, I'm too young for this. I'm a mere child. I don't know the ropes, hardly know the ins and outs of this job. And here I am set down in the middle of the people you've chosen, a great people, far too many for me to ever count. Here's what I want give me a God listening heart so I can lead your people while yep. discerning the difference between good and evil for who on their own is capable of leading your glorious people. I think you're totally right. It's God knew his heart. Yeah. He met him in his sin. He met him in the midst of ugly sin mm-hmm. and asked him what he wanted. And he, and of course he knew like, it's almost like Solomon's heart was exposed. You know how like Jesus asked these questions to draw us out. Yes. So it was exposed to both God and to Solomon that like, what I want more than anything is to know your will completely. I don't have mm-hmm. the ability. I can't do it, What I but I want to do well by you. And mm-hmm. so then the very first thing that he does, it was in a dream. This all happens in a mm-hmm. dream. Solomon wakes up. He, sa- he returned he to Jerusalem, that. took his place before the chest of the covenant of God and worshiped by sacrificing whole burnt offerings and peace offerings. Then he laid out a banquet for everyone in his service.
1: Mm-hmm. That's such a
0: picture. Yeah. That's such a picture of our God. He knows our hearts, comes to us however necessary, even in the midst of abominations. Mm -hmm. And our response always should be, usually is, if our hearts are what they're supposed to be, to go back. He goes back. Mm -hmm. He goes back to the chest of God and does it right. Yeah. Ends up building him a temple the next chapter so good ah, so good this is like candy i do i always read i read these stories last you do (laughs) i do ezekiel first then galatians
1: (laughs) and then i go back to this story i just love stories i should start with ezekiel i just go in order of where they are in my bible
0: eating my vegetables Galatians I wasn't looking forward to because I've studied it recently so I was like well I w- also wasn't looking forward to because I had to read it all mm-hmm. at once and so I was like I could just skip it because we just studied it again super thankful yes. for reading it in a completely different translation yeah because it brings new light to everything so we started in Galatians 2 this week.
1: I just enjoyed reading it, I think, because we had just studied it, and it just Mm -hmm. felt like I was just like mulling over a lot of that stuff again that we had talked about, and then going right from that into Ephesians, I enjoyed too.
0: Chapter 3, 11 through 12, says, doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. Habakkuk had it right. The person who believes God is set right by God, and that's the real life. Habakkuk.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what the quote, yeah. Well, even like it talks about, um, I feel like my theology is evolving right before my eyes. Okay. Just before that in three, just that whole Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. Mm -hmm. That's way before Habakkuk. (laughs) That's the promise. That's the beginning of the promise to Abraham. Like I think God promised Christ Adam and when Eve. he banished Adam and Eve, like mm-hmm. that he promised that it wouldn't be like that forever. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, they believed and mm-hmm. it was credited to them as righteousness, just like Jesus righteousness is credited to us as righteousness.
0: Mm-hmm. So good. It's one of my favorite parts when we study Galatians was reading that and going, oh, it made sense in a new way. When he says, mm. why would the law that's given 430 years after the mm-hmm. promise be the way to salvation, the the faith, the faith yes. is what, the covenant was based on. Faith, four hundred thirty years before the law, and now we're living yeah. by the law, thinking that that's going to give us right righteousness. And it's the faith, the faith that came with the promise. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's one of those things that I believed and knew, but just Paul's um, argument. Right when he points out that the promise came so far before the law, and just how he lays it all out was so clear and helpful for me in Galatians. I even that whole section of in three about the purpose of the law and yes, i read that before. It hasn't it hasn't been clear to me. It was added for the sake of transgression. It was put into effect through a mediator. Is it contrary? No. Anyway, just this whole thing that the way Paul lays it out, it didn't. Actually, the way Eugene Peterson translates it was super helpful for me because he says, I think he's the one that says that it was there to, in verse 24, mine is like that it's our guardian until Christ. But I think Mm -hmm. he lays it out as like, it was there to keep us in the way, like we were to be walking in that way.
0: Yeah. I'm going to read it. Its purpose was to make obvious to everyone that we are in ourselves out of right relationship with God. This is, he's talking about the law. Mm Mm-hmm. And therefore, to show us the futility of devising some religious system for getting by on our own efforts, what we can only get by waiting in faith for God to complete his promise. For if any kind of rule keeping had power to create life in us, we would certainly have gotten it by this time. Until the time when we were mature enough to respond freely in faith to the living God, we were carefully surrounded and protected by the mosaic law. I love that. Carefully surrounded Mm -hmm. and protected by the mosaic Mm -hmm. law. The law was like those Greek tutors with which you are familiar who escort children to school and protect them from danger or distraction, making sure the children will really get to a place they are set out for. But now you've arrived at the destination. By faith in Christ, you are in direct relationship with God. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in adult faith, wardrobe, Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. Then the other thing in Galatians that took me by surprise, I hadn't noticed before. Again, it's a Eugene Peterson translation that makes it seem different. But Galatians 5, verse 23 to 23, 22 and 23. What happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Obviously, those are the fruits of the spirit that he's mm-hmm. completely and totally yeah. changed. This is kind of personal, like what's what Scott's doing in me, but the imagery of the, the way that fruit appears in an orchard made me think of... Like if you see apple trees, they bloom in spring. They put these beautiful flowers out in spring and it takes three seasons before they actually produce a fruit that's edible. Mm -hmm. And I've just been thinking so much about like this prayer that I'm praying over and over and over and over again, this great desire for more of a spirit, for more love, for more of an understanding of, of his love, for him to fill me up, fire, a burning desire, all these things. And um, I was talking to a friend Amber recently. I was talking about how slowly it feels like I can feel him working, but it feels so slow, and she was like, he's mm-hmm. like, but that is, that's his way. He just he doesn't he just delight in the in the slow work. And so I was just thinking about that that like I want this immediate spark and a flame and to be like off and running and that's not even how fruit develops like when fruit mm-hmm. develops it's a it's a process, it's a long process. and just thinking this morning about how flowers are gorgeous it's beautiful when they pop in the spring mm-hmm. but that maturing work is pretty much that's going unnoticed people aren't yeah people aren't watching the apples grow in fact they go pretty much unnoticed by everybody because they just blend in with the tree and I was thinking you know lord like that's I hope I think that's what it's going to be like I don't think I'm even going to notice the fruits of the spirit as they're developing yeah. I think other people will notice them in me but like I don't want to notice them if I notice yeah. them I might take credit for them you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, that was a lot to come out of that one verse. but
1: Well, so what when you read it, the way that Eugene Peterson translates it, he says at the very beginning that they're gifts that God gives into your light. How does he say it?
0: He brings gifts into our lives, much yeah. the same way that fruits appear in an orchard.
1: So what I think of the fruit of the Spirit, I always think of it as external in the sense that It's something that I'm giving to others. Yes. And and that is different. Like that's like this little twist in that. Those are, as I mature and grow, those gifts are for me. Yes, they should overflow and pour into the way I relate to others, but those are personal gifts, right? Yes. So
0: patience is one of the gifts of the spirit.
1: One of the things that I learned recently
0: about patience is that it comes from the word to suffer. And now I've been thinking through Mark a lot about Jesus's suffering how I thought about him mostly suffering on the cross, but now I'm watching him Mm -hmm. kind of suffer in enduring the ministry. Humanity. Yeah. Yes. The constant interruptions, the never enough rest. It's in Galatians five starting in 13. It's absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom Rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Then down a little bit says my counsel is lifts live freely animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness for there is a root of self of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you can follow that whole train of thought to have the fruit of the spirit, Thinking mainly about love and patience, and then thinking about like the freedom that we've been given in Christ is like the opposite of the way that we picture it. If we think of freedom in Christ means that we're we can kind of be free to do whatever, but really, free <laughs> what freedom in Christ means is free from, being free from compuls- compulsions of selfishness. Yeah, yeah. like you're, it's going to be freedom to like literally love freely to suffer mm-hmm. with people, yeah. Ugh, right? Like, and when crazy. we think about
1: freedom, that is definitely not in our humanity what we think about
0: no but yeah like that whole like if i'm being inconvenienced thinking about how and when i'm being inconvenienced and whether like god's in that more when things are hard when i'm exhausted because that's the other thing is when you get to ephesians he says um chapter one i wrote this prayer down in first person because this is a prayer i want to start praying regularly Mm It says, every time I prayed, I think of you and give thanks, but I do more than thank. I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. Where is that? That's 15
1: through 19
0: chapter one. Okay. I know that's kind of a long train of thought, but that was really where it was no, like, it's so good. I think I'm in a place right now too, where I I have all these opportunities to serve mm-hmm. and everything that I feel like I've been told in the past is don't get too busy. Don't get too busy. Don't get too busy. Don't get, get too busy. And I feel like I get more confirmations lately. If this is what you love, do it. Like go, go and do it. Yeah. Do it do it, do all the things you want to do, like do all the opportunities. Like, cause this is like a dream. Like right now I feel like I'm living, I'm trying really hard not to wait for the ex to ball. Cause that's how I live. My life is just waiting for like tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> but right now it's like a dream. It's like, this is what I get to do. Like I get to spend my life leading Bible studies, inviting people to walk with me in a deeper walk with Jesus. This is what I get to spend my, yes. I want to say yes to everything. And I know I still want to ask God for wisdom and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he's saying here. It's discerning and knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do, but also for the endless energy and boundless strength.
1: Yeah. And I hear that from the opposite perspective in a sense, because you and I are in different opposite humans. Like <laughs> just as people, like we're so different. Yes. And so for me, I f- I'm in this place. I feel like I am constantly... Battling my own selfishness because I don't love to be busy. I don't love to have all of these demands on my time externally. Yeah. And I that's all I have right now from lots of different, different places. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when I hear you read just the idea that but I also fully recognize that all of these things that are pulling on me right now are things that God has called me to. Yeah, I'm not questioning you Yeah, like I'm not questioning. There are times where I'm like, how did I get here? I know that the things I'm doing are what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And so I'm battling this, oh, this is so hard and I'm so tired. And this isn't necessarily what I wanted to do, even though I know that it is what you're calling me to do right now. And all of those conflicting things, Mm -hmm. but just the promise that, This is how mine translates it. Mm -hmm. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. All of those things are eternal. They're future eternal things. And yet what he's called me to do right now in all of the different spheres are things that are working towards those eternal things. And it's not just empty busyness. Yeah. it's dive collective, it's by kids, it's... Yes. So anyway, yes, that yes, promise yes. that He would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that the eyes of our hearts can be open to see all of those things, mm-hmm. not an empty promise. If you enjoyed this discussion and
0: maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.